Welcome to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and joining me on the podcast today is one of our own librarians, Susan Paley. Susan is uh, developing the collection of mystery books here, and she is also an avid reader. So she's coming to the podcast with lots of reading recommendations, and three of those are in the mystery genre. So this is an episode for the mystery fans. But Susan reads various other books. She also likes biographies. So she's got one other biography in there for sports fans, specifically tennis fans. But if you want to hear all about the mystery genre from a librarian, you have reached the right episode. These are some of Susan's favorite books released in 2022. So far, we're only four months into the year, but we have some early best of nominations. Here's our chat. That made Alicia Foley, uh, Guest List was the book, right? That was the big hit? Guest List was her big hit. This is her second one. It's called The Paris Apartment. And it's the same style as Guest List in that it's what's known as a locked room mystery because you have a specific setting and then you have the characters in the setting and then they interact with each other and they interact with the main character and then the main character has to construct or sometimes deconstruct the puzzle that the mystery is about and she's very very twisty turny in the way that she creates the mysteries it's never a linear step-by-step puzzle you know find one thing find out another thing that isn't really how she does it she gives the character an opportunity to find out part of the story and then the character maybe thinks that she knows how it's going to go and then every time you read another chapter or you get to the end of a chapter there's a cliffhanger there's a red herring there's a change in a character that you thought was good maybe they're they do something and then they're now oh wait is this person really good or is this person bad or did they do a secret thing that we're supposed to know or (laughs) how is that connected and it's very very well connected but you can't see the connections straight away. You really have to get down deep into the story to understand. And then you think that you have it in your head. You can decide, I think it's this. I think that the the culprit is really the the concierge or maybe there's someone that's a has a different identity than they started out with. Maybe it's that person, maybe it's someone on the street, maybe it's someone who gave a tip, maybe they're not really good. And because this one was set in Paris and the the main character, she gets off the Eurostar at 10 o'clock at night and her brother is supposed to be waiting at the apartment that he lives in and he's not there. So it's also a missing person case and she has to figure that out and she has to decide the main character's name is Jess and she has to decide who she can trust and maybe who she can't trust and the people who look like she can trust them maybe she can and then maybe she can't so it is definitely a puzzle on a lot of levels sure does it all take place in kind of a condensed period of time in like one week or one night or kind of does it just start does it just hit the ground running it hits the ground running it's over several days okay because She arrives not knowing how long she's going to be in Paris because at the beginning of the story, she's just just changed her job. She has a little bit of time off. She's not sure what she's going to do next. Mm -hmm. And she has a brother who has always 
told her to come find him wherever he is. If you need a break, come find me and I will let you stay in my place for a little while. And she thinks that he's going to be there. So when she shows up and he's not, and then she starts trying to figure out where did he go, what happened to him, because he's always been very dependable. She starts meeting people who knew him. And then it it sort of seems like, first it seems like maybe he just disappeared and he won't want to tell anyone why until he gets back. And mm-hmm. then she's like, he's really, really, she just decides he must really, really be gone or something really terrible happened. And then it, it goes from there. He said, um, closed room mystery. Locked room. Locked room yep. mystery. Is this a frame of reference? Would this be somewhat similar to what we envision as kind of the Agatha Christie trope kind yes, of a situation? that's exactly what it is. Okay. It's like Clue. Sure, It's sure. like the game of Clue, and you have sort of stock characters, and then you have to decide if you think that one of them was the culprit or did they commit the crime or did they not or how did they help right kind of like you know miss scarlet in the candle in the library with the candlestick sure sure so but just the main character is not herself a detective correct even though correct it's also when i say locked room it's also the way in which someone becomes the detective Mm -hmm. even if they're not Mm -hmm. you know she doesn't hire she doesn't hire a PI. She just finds the clues herself. And right. sometimes it's obvious and you sort of have to suspend disbelief. But you see maybe the one obvious the one obvious clue gives you a lot of other ways to think about the puzzle. Sure. So, yeah. So she's not a detective. She, she just kind of becomes one. And then there are sort of stock characters in the fact that that's how you get the lock room. There's right. the neighbor. Right. There's the there's the concierge. Uh, the con- yes, the concierge. And in this case, it's not a hotel concierge. It's the concierge for the building who lives there and who takes care of all of the various things around the building, so the residents don't have to worry about those things. So, that, like we said, the concierge. There's the the woman in the penthouse who's very very fancy. Uh huh. Then there's the artist who's couple floors down and then there's the neighbor who seems nice right and it's also there's also an element because you also have the city of paris around it and it's not it isn't really paris through a tourist's eyes it's paris through the city like through the way that someone who lives there sees it so you know you have your local places where the people go and then you have the places where maybe someone's investigating and maybe you don't always know if they're a real place or not, but they're set in the city. And the missing person was investigating something in Paris. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the connection between why did they go missing and what did they find out, that's where it comes up. But the action is contained relatively to this building. Yes, to the building and to the surrounding block or so. Sure. And the building itself kind of takes on... It's its own character, right? It's its own character, yes. It takes on its own personality. Sure. It First, it looks like it's very fancy and very expensive, Uh which it is because of where it is. And she opens the door to her brother's apartment and she thinks, can he really afford to live here? Maybe I don't know what he really does. Indeed. And then the building becomes sort of a sinister force because she thinks maybe someone in the building knows something she doesn't. And then the way that she tries to figure it out involves all the people in it. Sure, sure. And if you're going to set your book in Paris, you better write a good book because Paris is important to Susan. So... Yes, that is very true. It is. It's her second favorite city, if not favorite. Um, uh, What else do you got? What else have you been reading lately? 
I also read The Maid by Nita Prose, which just came out at the end of February. And it is also a mystery. Okay. Not a locked room, more of a... Well, it could be a locked room because there are different characters that each have a role in the sure. situation. But it is also a study about who you can trust and who you can't and how the characters create a story and create a bond with the reader. I really noticed the characters in this one really created a bond with the reader because you really want to care about each one sure. in its own way. And this one, so the, the plot of this one is that the young woman who is the main character, she is a hotel maid. And it's a very fancy hotel, so she sees a lot of things, and she's very, very particular about how she cleans and how she takes very seriously her job. And she also, as you meet her, you can see she has some trouble with things. For example, can't always tell if an expression is an expression or if it's really, it's really serious. Like fly by night, she might, if somebody says somebody's fly by night, she might say, well, where were they during the day? And sometimes she can't always recognize somebody's facial expression or she might be really, really intense in cleaning, but maybe not notice the people around her in a way that other, other people might realize. So... In one way, she's very observant, and then in another way, she's a piece of this puzzle. And so as you're reading it, you meet her, and she's really she's really sweet. She's really invested in her job and invested in saving up because at the beginning of the story, you realize that she had this nest egg, and she lost it because she lived alone with her grandmother, and then her grandmother died and just left her, left her alone. So she's totally alone, and she becomes a player in this murder case because and I'm not giving anything away it's on the it's on the book jacket she becomes a player because you don't know in a way if she saw something or if she was part of it until you start reading the story and what happens is at first they they don't when the police come and the police investigate and cordon off the room because it was this very fancy guy that was murdered and maybe they they just they're not sure who did it or like is it a was it a murder suicide or was it did he just like maybe he didn't maybe he wasn't or maybe it's just they don't know so they but but the suspicion is the police think somebody is a murderer so they bring her in for questioning and she really she can't really remember well because she's in shock and she doesn't want to give too many details because she sees all these things as the, as the hotel maid so she doesn't really want to announce she thinks it's better if she doesn't say things that maybe someone else might say in order to clear themselves so as you're seeing it from her perspective you're also wondering maybe she did it or maybe like maybe she's found like you know like oh no she's she knows where she you know she found like she's describing the room and the room looks really out of place you know she knows that there was maybe a gun in the safe and then she's thinking, maybe she saw it, maybe she didn't, or she's, you know, going in and out of the room and she's cleaning up. And it's like, all of a sudden you realize, oh, she's cleaning fingerprints. Uh-oh. Like, you know, that's like the one case where you wouldn't want everything to be really sparkly clean if you're trying to figure out a crime scene. Right. So she is really invested in being part of the way that the organization works as the hotel works. But it's, you don't know, like, did she maybe, oops, maybe she's sort of, like, you see her kind of following along with the crime and you're thinking, did she accidentally do it? 
and maybe she doesn't realize it. And then the police think that maybe she did it, but she doesn't because she thinks that she's being helpful. She's sort of like putting herself right in the middle of this under suspicion in this case. And the characters, though, um, she ends up having to have the the head doorman of the hotel help her and she suddenly needs a lawyer and then he knows someone who's a lawyer. So she needs the help of the people who are really her true friends. And it's sort of, as you go, you meet these different characters and you think maybe this guy is a friend and then you're like, oh no, maybe he's a suspect. And then she ends up meeting people who maybe you wouldn't think about who also work in the hotel. And it just becomes this really good story of a mystery and a friendship and ways in which helping people find their way is really important. That's helping, beautiful. Helping people find out what they need and who they need to be who they are is really good. And, and also, um, the author is from Toronto, so it could be Canadian, but it just it could be set in any, any big city with a big fancy hotel. But the, the strong characters and the combined with the mystery plot really made it a good read important question what is the narrative is it first person or third person for that book it is first person it, it sounds like it would have to be yes. given those details what about the other book is that third person the other book with lucy foley it's in a way it's third person and it's also first person because she's that's a good point she switches the perspective every chapter Aha. so you start out and it's just the main character and then she meets the character and then that character's perspective becomes the next chapter mm -hmm. and so it goes it's like you're watching it almost as if the hotel were a dollhouse and the front was you know the front was exposed and exposed you could see all the rooms well, yeah, like if the front was on a hinge and right. you could just open the door and sure. see each floor and see each room and see where everyone was, that's what it's like. And then every chapter you get the perspective of Jess or the perspective of the, the woman in the penthouse right. or the concierge or... That's so... that People mention the trope of unreliable narrator and that sounds like it... That sounds at first inherently that it would be frustrating, but for some people it is actually kind of fun and exhilarating to have someone that you can't quite figure out be led this way, led that way, etc. You know, you're the And puzzle. then when you get to the end and you think, I didn't think any of that would have been how it would turn how it would have turned out. That's right. the that's the part that you really know that the writer is really creative, that the writer is really invested in giving the reader something fun, something to escape with. Oh, yeah. I thought both books were like that because both books were definitely plot-driven plot page-turners in a way, but also character. Sure. Because you really attach, you really attach your hopes to each character for a while mm -hmm. because you really want to know who is the good one, who is the suspicious one. You really want to know if you figured it out. And I think that there's like one part in each where you're thinking like, maybe this is how it's going to go. And then it just totally, <laughs> it just totally goes another way. And you're like, I didn't think about that at all. Mysteries. Yes. What else did you uh, want to talk about? Well, we're so going out of the two, mystery genre. Yes. Two mysteries. And then the third best book that I've read since the beginning of this year is actually a biography. Okay. And it's called... 
The Master, The Long and Beautiful Game of Roger Federer. It's by Christopher Clary, and he is a tennis reporter. He's been a tennis reporter for decades. Mm-hmm. And now he is the chief tennis correspondent for the New York Times. And I had read a few of his columns because he usually writes the Australian Open coverage, mm-hmm. the coverage for the French Open in Paris, of course, and also for the U.S. Open, which is in New York, mm-hmm. writes writes those kinds of stories for the paper. And so I knew the name that way, and I just saw the book here. And I really do like, in addition to mysteries and thrillers and yeah. regular fiction, I really do like biographies and memoirs because you get to learn something that you right. don't think about all the time or maybe... You learn something more about someone you just sort of know is in the news. And I really didn't know much about Roger Federer, except that he's a really, really good tennis player, obviously. I was going to say, anybody who's been reporting on tennis for the last 20 years has probably done a lot of reporting specifically on Roger Federer. Right. I mean, they even have tennis tours that it's like the Roger Federer tennis tour. So it's all Roger all the time. They, you know... Like, there's a group that will take a group of people to Switzerland, where mm-hmm. he's from. He's from Basel. Yeah. And then they will go and they will see some of the courts where he started out. They'll see some of the places where he's played, he where he grew up, where he trained. Mm-hmm. And then they, they usually see him in some big match. That's right. just a tour that's, like, all Roger Federer all the time. And But the book really talked about he started out... He's from Switzerland. His parents are... His mom is from South Africa, actually, which I didn't know at all. So he also is a dual citizen of... It's dual citizen of Switzerland and South Africa. So his mom is from South Africa, and his dad is from Switzerland, and then they were both working in South Africa when he was born. And then he they moved back to Switzerland when he was a toddler and speaks English and French and also German because there's part of Switzerland that speaks... French in one area and then also German Mm -hmm. and then sometimes both depending on the town. So he, they knew he was a really good tennis player right away. As a really young, young kid, he was playing against other young kids who were also really going to be great in their own life. And he trained in a couple of, he's from Basel and he trained in a city called Ecublens and then another went to another city called Bielbien, which is interesting because if you speak German, you name it by the German name of the town, and then the French speakers will name it by the French name of the town. And he, the, everybody knew he was really good. He played singles, he would play doubles occasionally, and they just thought, this guy really has something amazing. And so it just, it just sort of goes through his rise as a tennis Mm -hmm. star step by step. But I thought what was so interesting was it's really readable. Like you're not reading a really dense, dry story. story. You're reading about someone's life, someone's experiences, someone's rise from just being a really good tennis player as a young person to somebody who made millions and millions and also was very humble about the way that he did it and about treating you know treating people the right way and learning from people that came were tennis players ahead of him and then coaching and mentoring other players that's so great and some of it was that it would talk about a specific match and you would be reading about roger federer at wimbledon 
And then you would just feel like you were right there. Right. Like you had a, a front row seat right in, you know, like practically right next to the, the chair umpire. And the way that it was described, it was just really fun to feel like you're playing tennis right along with the guy. Well, that that's the, the, the journalist who has clearly watched hundreds of tennis matches in his life. So Right. And then talking, exactly. And then also talking about his his rivalry and his relationship with Rafael Nadal, for example. And then also Djokovic, then you know, some of the newer some of the newer players who are sure. a little younger. But then um also he played with some players from South Africa that were or um a couple from South Africa and a couple from Aust- several of his coaches were really well known from Australia. And he in addition to playing, you also sort of learn about his relationship with his coaches and his team and you know they used to they the way that the writer explains you have a team it's like it used to be what maybe you'd call an entourage and then now it's it's become the team so there also includes the people that manage where he needs to be when he needs to be there but also trainers and coaches and even physical therapists who help him do all kinds of things and then the, like the press people and all these people that follow him that make him who he is sure. because when you get to be that good, you just need all these people around you. Well, sure, sure. So, so what's cool about sports biographies and you had mentioned, I think that you you had maybe read the Megan Rapinoe uh, yes. biography. And so I think, of, I think of Megan and I think of the Williams sisters and I do think of uh, Federer as these, well, these charismatic humble, gracious ambassadors of the sport who are under uh, Simone Biles too, who are under extreme media scrutiny and yet still brilliant when they get out to perform. That's amazing to me that they yes. don't crack under the pressure. Yes, it is. And it's it's amazing to, to read about the ways in which they handle it because it's right. all different. Right. For example, in this one, Roger Federer would be, they would talk about he'd be off for the biggest match of his life. Like, it would be the final, and he'd be against Nadal, and it would be just this incredible, incredible match, and everybody would be so excited, and he would take his kids to a museum the night bef- yeah, the day before, or the night before, because that's how he would relax. That's relax. And you'd think, like, he'd need to be on the court every single minute preparing and doing all of his exercises and right. doing a million drills, right. but yet he felt that to be with his family at the minute before he takes on a big yeah. tennis match is what he wants to do. And he, it's interesting, he actually has these four children. Uh-huh. They are two sets of identical twins. So two girls and two boys, mm-hmm. both uh, twins and both identical, but different ages because they, if obviously uh-huh. if they were four, they'd be quads, but uh-huh. they're not. Wow, they could play and, doubles one day. Yeah, and uh, it was just so interesting. Also, because in in reading about it, you sort of learn about where he travels and where he stays and the sure. the places that he goes when he's in different cities or how he likes to visit. That sometimes it's the same, but sometimes do things differently so that he can see a different part of the city. And he is really well universally known because he likes to be very friendly and yeah. gracious to his host city. So yeah, Australia, the- he'll do different things when he gets there and he'll be in France and do different things. And then he'll come to Miami for the Miami open. And Oh yeah. Like it's just really, a, it was a really great, 
great way to read about tennis because I don't play, but I know people in my family that have sure. played now or played when they were younger. And it's just nice to have that connection in a way where it's accessible to everybody. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't play, you can read about it or you can watch it or you can be a player and appreciate the, the way that the book is written because you know how it is as a player. Absolutely. Uh, and then what's the last book you got so far that you've read? The last one that I have read, I really liked The Ballerina. So it's a thriller it's by Rachel, Kopke, uh, Rachel Kapelke Dale is the author's name. And she is an ex-ballerina. Mm -hmm. She was a ballerina for a long time and then she now she has a different career. And it is the story of three friends and something that happened while they were dancing together in the Paris Ballet. They were part of the corps and they went to the they went to the famous ballet school. Two girls from France and one girl who was American who came in. And it's this it's a thriller, so it's not a mystery in the fact that there's not really a puzzle. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get to the end so you can figure out does the character Win or not win, I guess, is sort of like... Well, are there, are there suspects in the traditional sense, I guess, maybe? Or does it feel like a... Will it be completely different from a mystery, I guess? It's not completely different. It's, there are suspects. Uh -huh. There are... It's, it's like a thriller you're trying to get to the end. Sure. You're trying to figure out what happens at the end. So there, there might not be so many clues in the middle... I see. ...to point to it was exactly this crime that sure. this person did. Sure. It's more like... This person had a big role in something that we didn't know until we got to the very end, and then it was like big cliffhanger. Sure. And uh, like a Quentin Tarantino movie, it's it it shows you what is going to happen, and the question is, how did we end up here? Right. That's a good. Yes, that's very good. So, and it's sort of like Black Swan, where Ooh. where now that's a, a psychological thriller. Yes, yes, for sure. Where there's there's competition, and then. There's also elements of sort of a sinister love story in a way because one of the characters is trying to break out and become a star. Mm -hmm. And then there's this sort of force that's keeping her from becoming as big as she possibly could be. And you don't know, like, is the force a person? Is, is it the supernatural? Is the force, yes. Is it supernatural? Is it... Is it something that someone is controlling or is it just sort of there to make the story sort of menacing? And it was also, it was a little darker than than the Paris apartment because there were, it was not always obvious. Sometimes there were dead ends or sometimes the mood would be very dark. Sure. You know, you'd be reading and then the one character is trying to choreograph a ballet and she's all alone and no one is around supposedly and then something happens somebody sneaks up on her or somebody she finds something that's not right or she discovered i think a thriller also has some elements of discovery like mysteries yes so she sort of discovers something and then she brings her two friends in and one thinks you have to tell you have to go to people and explain that this is what you found out and the other the other dancer says, no, you have to keep it a secret because that's our code. Sure. So it's sort of like there's there's a mystery and there's a there's a mystery, but it's not a puzzle. It's more like, can you keep a secret until we get to the end and we figure out what 
the thing that you read on page one means by the time you get to the end. So it's kind of haunting, too, it sounds like. Yes. That's great. Yes. Haunting and sort of big and sweeping. Sure. Because when they, when they do a ballet, they start out from the very basic bare bones part where sure. it's just learning it, doing learning the steps and learning how to be partnered with someone maybe or learning how to coexist in a group of other dancers and then as you go on and you go in more deeply into the ballet then you get to see how they choose the soloist and maybe there's competition there or there's competition on who gets to be the understudy and then you know what happens if something goes wrong with the understudy what do they do or does someone on purpose or not on purpose do something that's going to make the ballet either better or worse. You know, are they are they trying to sabotage? Are they not? This still sounds like it would highly please mystery fans. Oh, yes. Hell, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I made up my pick a couple of times on the pick shelf, and uh-huh. it's, it's gone pretty quickly, so I will maybe make Excellent. it my pick again. Excellent. Well, to conclude, just run down those titles for us, all four. So, so the Paris Department is by Lucy Foley. The Maid is by Nita Prose, and then The Master, that's that's the Roger Federer book by Christopher Clary, and then The Ballerinas by Rachel Kapelke-Dale. Excellent. Three great mysteries and a great biography. We'll have links in the show notes with more information. Thanks for joining us, Susan. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. And that was our chat with Susan Paley, librarian here at the Ferndale Area District Library, develops the collection of mystery books as well as the travel books and audiobooks and many more. But uh, she is the one to go to when you are looking for recommendations in the mystery genre. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to ferndalefriends.org. But please remember to rate, review, subscribe, follow, Leave a comment, tell a friend. It would help us find more listeners, and we always appreciate that. Can't forget to mention also that our music at the beginning and end of each episode is by a local musician, John Duffy. We love our local musicians. So thanks again for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week with more, of course. Take care until then. <laughs>